even like where she's born and this small town, you know, Southern experience that she is born into. Do you feel though, from the time Brittany is born, she's seen as a cash cow already for her talent, like with her voice and, you know, she was in Star Search um, mm-hmm. and just seeing like she's going to bring so much um, spot a spotlight to the family in a way from their humble beginnings. Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode ad free? Head on over to our Patreon where you will get this episode and all of our episodes ad free. And you can see our video episode, including this one right now, where you'll see my beautiful face and the guest's beautiful face. Who doesn't love that? And I am so excited to announce that all of you can get a one-week free trial on our Patreon. Join the ITBR professor level and you unlock all of Mary's True Crime and Academia Patreon episodes, our rewatch show, including Queer as Folk and Smash. You can even listen to us dissect Scream and The Exorcist. And I heard, rumor has it, that we have an upcoming Britney Spears episode, a Fall of the House of Usher episode, and yes, even a Saltburn episode, which is going to be quite riveting. So head to patreon.com backslash ivory tower boiler room, join the one week free trial and see what you're missing out on. And while you're at it, please follow us on Instagram and TikTok at ivory tower boiler room, rate, follow, and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Thanks so much. And I hope that you enjoy all of our ivory tower boiler room episodes. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room for a very recent pop culture phenomenon. This is our book club choice for December. So if you see in the episode ITBR Book Club, just anytime there's a book club discussion, it's something that all of our Patreon members who join the book club for only $4 want to plug it. Um have a chance to be on a private Zoom with us. So as we're recording, we haven't heard from the book club members yet, but we'll hear from them at the end of the episode. So right now I'm joined with two esteemed colleagues, guests, friends, all the things. Brooke Walsh. So Brooke, who had done my headshots last year and is about to do more headshots for me in the spring, but You know, she's doing a lot of headshots for everyone in my life, um, including someone here, Christian Garcia, who you all know from Smash, from Queer as Folk, from That Old Gay Classic Cinema, his podcast. Hi, Christian. Hi, Andrew. Yeah. And hi, Brooke. I don't think I heard you say something. (laughs) So just to make sure you say something. Um, So I wanted to like first ask you both. like Brooke, you had opened up to Christian and I in a group message. We've been having this like robust message today in anticipation of the recording. And you actually, if it's okay to share, there's something yeah. with Britney Spears' story that really speaks to you. And I thought that that was a really heartwarming moment to begin the episode. So like, what is it about Britney's story and her memoir that really 
connects with you? I think when like in the early like mid 2000s, a lot with social, like not even not social media, but like the tabloids and like talking about mental health and reading the book. And during that time, I was maybe like when like the whole Britney thing with like her, her shaving her head and everything. And people were saying she's crazy. She's acting out. And obviously she's dealing with all this postpartum and everything. And during the, the time when I was younger, I was dealing with really bad anxiety. So I was on medication and stuff and looking at the stuff that was going on with Britney saying like, she's crazy and all this. And during this time I was kind of like acting out cause I was on like on medications and stuff. So I thought to myself and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I crazy too and it was really hard during that time because not a lot of people talked about mental health and you know I during during that time why related to Brittany so much in the memoir when she talked about her struggles I was relating to that too with during with like stuff where I was going through and did you find that the mental health aspects because I know this is going to really just propel us with so many points and all of our opinions and just analyses that happened around her book. Do you think that the mental health aspect is really clear and poignant in The Woman in Me? Yeah, because I think you, she opens up a lot about it. And then when you're reading the book, when like, thinking about like when the book wasn't there and this all this was happening and you know everyone was kind of like what's going on with her and everyone was poking fun at her everyone was make she was like the butt of the joke basically and when she's opening about that in the book you're like oh she's dealing with that and then picture like with all the paparazzi going after her being like why are you crazy why are you doing this why are you doing that and obviously she starts breaking because obviously she's like I don't know what to do and it's really hard for her and I really think you learn more about what she's going through and everything and you know it just made me kind of feel like the 10 year old and me feel a lot better because I'm like oh, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just going through like, you know, with like mental health and everything. And now it's coming like in like the present day and how we're more open with mental health and everything. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense. And like I was talking in the group chat and how negative it was in the, like the mid 2000s, late 2000s with social media and everything. Everyone was just being like really hard on her, even like Lindsay Lohan when she was going through like I have like a lot of celebrities during that time and um just reading the book and everyone you know with the mental health like with people with mental um sorry I'm like just like because it was just it's just a lot in the book but mm -hmm. you know it's just there's more people talking about mental health and that made me feel a lot like better made me feel you know like it was good that she brought that up because now people will realize oh that's what happened. Yeah. So before we like go through the really hot, I don't want to call them hot takes, but before we go through the pressing points of the chronology of what is revealed in her memoir, um, mm -hmm. Christian, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts about you have seen the Hulu documentary that was done on Britney Spears 
Do you, are you surprised that this memoir exists? Because like, I do have to say, this kind of came out of left field for me. I, I, maybe it just wasn't on my radar, but I, I feel that um, it was a surprise memoir that to really send um, a shockwave across the country or around the world of Britney's story. But like Christian, um, outside of the memoir, like what did you get from the Hulu documentary? Well, there was a lot of interviews with her, um, with some of her directors, some of her um, photographers um, as well. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about um, how one music video in particular speaks, um, resonates so much now, nowadays with people. Um, and it was, it was just very eye-opening for me to actually, now some of the stuff I knew and some of the stuff I didn't know and a lot of it, taking it all in at once, only it's only like a 38 minute uh, little documentary and it was just, it was a lot of information, but it was, I was able to understand it. And what I got from it was that what Brittany had to go through and what she had to endure is just so traumatic. And I would understand her reasoning behind wanting to write this memoir to, to just give her a sense of cathartic uh, catharsism while writing it. And also just going, uh, using this as a way of therapy and just as a way of just letting out her inner demons that she was, that she's been going through. And the documentary does read a lot um, from the book. It takes a lot of information from the book. That's why the, that's why the documentary was made. It was to honor the book and to discuss a lot about what the memoir was speaking on. So it was just very eye-opening and very um, insightful. Mm. Well, and just for everyone out there, there is, um, a ghostwriter who's public, who wrote The Woman in Me, um, you know, with Britney's voice in mind. And I'm sure um, there were so many interviews that they had together to talk about her narrative. Um, but apparently it says that um, the ghostwriter is the American journalist and author, Sam Lansky. Um, so I'm curious, like, how do you feel Britney's voice comes through? I mean, you read... The Woman in Me, Brooke, and I am listening to Michelle Williams' um, performance of it. So, you know, how was how was it to try to capture her voice in a written form compared to like actually hearing it performed? I feel like you did hear a little bit of Britney, but you mostly heard the Ghost Rider because like she would say like little things and I'm like, oh, okay, that's Britney saying it. But mostly I heard the Ghost Rider say it. Mostly the way I, when I was reading it, I was kind of reading it in her voice the whole time when I was like reading the book. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to pretend like Britney's like reading it. Like I didn't think like oh, the ghostwriter wrote this, or I just was like, let me read this and like, 
Britney's point of view because this is her story and everything. So when I was reading it, all I heard was like Britney and like when I was reading it, I mean, I saw like, yeah, like she said like little things and I was like, oh, okay, Britney saying this and Britney saying that. But like sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe the ghostwriter is like saying this, like, right, obviously he's saying this and he's putting it in Brit, like he was trying to say it, his words, like using Britney's words, if that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a mixture, but I mostly kind of blocked out like the ghostwriter and I was like, okay, mm. this is like Britney's story. I'm reading it in like her words. Yeah, well, and apparently Sam Lansky is someone who's profiled Madonna, Nicki Minaj, Adele. So he has a lot of music industry experience with um, women in the music industry. So I think that that's illuminating. And it does, like you said, Brooke, she has so many phrases and Britney Spears <laughs> yeah. idioms from the South that she carries in her conversation. Um, she does start, she does um re record or uh recite the beginning preface of her book in the audiobook but then it like quickly switches to Michelle Williams and Brittany says something like I can't perform this memoir or I can't uh say it all because it's too emotionally draining yeah um I've heard little um snippets of Michelle like reading it and it was really like you can tell like she did a really good job mm -hmm. yeah she did oh and I put out some clips on our in um TikTok and Instagram if anyone wants to go to at ivory tower boiler room if you want to hear samples but like okay so let's start at the beginning of the memoir which I mean right each of us can bring up shocking moments but the one that really just boggled my mind and I had no idea about and it's why I'm so glad that this book exists is that she was waitressing when she was nine years old and like at her grandparents restaurant, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Is that the story? Okay. And I just couldn't believe like how she was already in, in industrial jobs. Like she was working ever since she was born from modeling to waitressing to like trying to be on Broadway. And then she like is in that um, off-Broadway show, Roofless, which Lara Bell Bundy yeah. is actually in. And then Natalie Portman is an understudy. So, you know, then mm -hmm. the Mickey Mouse Club. But like, what is it about her childhood that we learned that really surprised us? Because like that- I think when she brought up her grandfather and then when she brought up her grandfather and with her grandmother, um, when she was dealing with the loss of her her grandmother dealing with the loss of one of her children and the grandfather sending her to an asylum, right? Or is it like something like that? And she, and then a couple of years later, she went to her son's um grave and killed herself I think that was the most heartbreaking in the beginning which made me very emotional and you get backstory of why the reason Jamie Lynn uh, Brittany's father the way he is and her grandfather was very hard on Jamie Lynn and as he got older he did that with her brother what's her his name again was it Brian or her I Brittany's brother I think so, Brandon? but I'll check. I'll okay. look it up. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be Brian, but I'm not completely sure. But he continued that with his son. And 
it was really heartbreaking to he hear that part because I got I that part made me very like emotional. Yeah, Brian, you're right. Um, yeah, okay. So you're right. That was so emotional. Like the issue of mental health already being present with her grandmother, but how they mm -hmm. turned um, instead of having mental health advocacy in the family, like, you know, sending her to an asylum at the time, I, it was an asylum, right? A mental health institution. Yeah, but it was mental. Yeah. But that it was almost a dirty secret, like something that the family didn't want to address head on. And yeah. And then I think he did it with his other wife too. He had another wife and right. I believe so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and maybe. I... Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but um, you could be right, Brooke. I think that even like where she's born and this small town, you know, southern experience that she is born into. Do you feel though, from the time Brittany is born, she's seen as a cash cow already for her talent? Like with her voice and, you know, she was in Star Search um, mm -hmm. and just seeing like she's going to bring so much um, spot a spotlight to the family in a way from their humble beginnings. Yeah, like I, you know, when she was doing all that and obviously her parents during the time were like. I believe poor or something and they saw her and they were like oh okay this could lead and obviously you know Brittany is super talented they're like oh well maybe this could lead to a better life and then obviously in the book you learn more and it's like wow because they really were did see her as a cash cow later on in the book yeah mm -hmm. and she always talks about her town I do I did find that really interesting that she really had such even though there was the childhood um like the obstacles that she went through she still really loves her um childhood in terms of the community and like yeah. when she said she had a normal childhood like after her acting or being on off broadway that she was able to i think she said her best year ever as a child was when she was a freshman in high school or able to be in homecoming. Yeah, I think she'll like be like a normal teenager during that time. She said that was like the happiest time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, Macomb, right, Macomb, Mississippi. Yes. Is yes. where she's born. And then when she's growing up, she's in Kentwood, Louisiana. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think that... Um, there was a lot revealed from her childhood, right? You brought up the grandmothers, the pain that Brittany mm -hmm. had seeing what happened to her grandmother. Um, but and even, I think there yeah. was, yeah, I think there was in the book too when she hung out with like her great grandmother or her grandmother. I don't remember. I don't know if it was great grandmother or grandmother. And they were like, they would spend so much time together. And then the grandmother got into a car accident. And then the mother, um, the mother, I, for I don't know her name. I forgot her name. Um, Brittany's mom was saying like, no, you can't hang out with her anymore. 
and Brittany was very close to this grandmother. And that's, I remember there was a big accident and then there was the accident with um, Brian with the head on collision. And that she was, deal she dealt with a lot of trauma like early on in like her life dealing with that. Yeah. Mm. So how about how Brittany characterizes her siblings? Cause it's like, there's the, Brittany's the oldest. And she at mm -hmm. first says how loving and how exciting it was that her siblings are born and she's going to protect them. And then mm -hmm. basically says, fuck you, Jamie Lynn Spears. Um, yeah, because yeah, I because she wrote in one there was after the accident with her brother, she said that she would go into his room and she would sleep on the end of his bed and she was very comforting and nurturing to her. And then when she brought up in the book, when Jamie Lynn was born, cause she was Jamie, they have like a 10 year age difference. So she viewed Jamie Lynn, like, you know, as like this like little baby doll and everything. And, you know, she would treat her like a bait, like, you know, like a little doll. And then when she came back dealing with all the stuff with um, Justin Timberlake and stuff with the breakup, Jamie Lynn changed like you know and she was being like a little bit like you know like you know she was ordering her parents around and everything and Brittany oh yeah was, like, getting so chocolate shocked. chocolate milkshake yeah the chocolate milkshake <laughs>Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And when I'm not here on the podcast, I am consulting with small businesses, undergraduate students, graduate students, podcasters, and those in media. So if you're curious about the work that I've done with my consultation services, you could just type me in on Google, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and you'll see a few reviews pop up. I've worked on college admission essays for undergraduate students. I've revamped and expanded a small business's social media marketing campaign right here in Port Jefferson, New York. And I've also worked on a graduate student's thesis for her physician assistant program. So if you want to seek me out or inquire about my consultation services, just email me. That's the easiest way to reach me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. That's easy to remember. And tis the season for college admission essays, both undergraduate and graduate, thesis writing, dissertation writing. Um, do you wanna create a podcast and you don't know where to begin? Media work, um, how to open a TikTok, how to start creating videos on TikTok, what to do with your Instagram, all of that I have done. So. Just reach out to me. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm really excited to talk to you all about one of our ITBR sponsors, Broadview Press. Broadview Press is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish mainly in English studies, writing, philosophy, and history. They are always publishing with an eye towards diversity, building a strong list of titles from women, people of color, and authors from other marginalized groups. If you haven't heard my Broadview Press interviews, you need to. Recently, I just had on Dr. Shannon Day, who talked about her book, Beyond the Binary, Thinking About Sex and Gender. And in the summer, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who gave us all a comprehensive history of 
what it means to be a philosopher who studies sporting culture. And of course, we went back to ancient Greek, literature, mythology, history, to look at the roots of athleticism. And last year I had on Dr. Jeffrey Andrew Weinstock, who's actually going to be coming on the podcast soon to give his thoughts on the new Fall of the House of Usher Netflix series. He talked all about pop culture for beginners. And Broadview Press is offering an exclusive discount because of our sponsorship. So head to broadviewpress.com where you're going to see such a wide range of literature. Use the code Ivory Tower, I-V-O-R-Y-T-O-W-E-R for 20% off site-wide all of their books. Again, it's broadviewpress.com. Enjoy your reading. Are you a fan of LGBTQ plus books? plays, movies, TV shows? Well, then I have the magazine for you. It's called The Gay and Lesbian Review. The GNLR is a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies. Each issue brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme, and it brings together the leading minds on the topic. So I just had on Dr. Richard Schneider Jr., the founder and editor-in-chief of the GNLR, for the GNLR's 30th anniversary. Happy birthday, GNLR. Dr. Richard Schneider talked about their special volume called Outer Appearances, More Faces from the Annals of the GNLR, illustrations by Charles Heffling. They cover current LGBTQ artists such as Harvey Firestein, Melissa Etheridge, Alan Cumming, James Whiteside, Alison Bechdel, and even David Sedaris, and of course, many others like Stephen Sondheim. There's even a supplemental issue that comes with your commemorative volume. And Andrew Halloran, the writer of Dancer from the Dance, he reviews a book called Morris about E.M. Farster's Morris, written by one of our ITBR guests, David Grevin. So we can't wait for you all to experience this beautiful 30th anniversary GNLR issue. Have you heard some of my GNLR interviews, including Dr. Andrew Lear's discussion about male-male love in ancient Greek society and Ignacio Darnad opening and blasting the closet door in the queer male art world? Well, Definitely make sure you listen to them after this episode. Head to glreview.org. Make sure you subscribe to their magazine. You'll see there's a section that says subscribe at the top. Enter the promo code ITBR50. That's ITBR50 to receive 50% off, 50% off any print or digital subscription. Enjoy your reading. That stuck out to me. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. She's like, and she was spoiled getting, well, she said her mom treated Jamie very differently, but maybe that's also because Brittany's already um, their main source of income. So she feels that burden. Yeah, because I think during that yeah. time she got them the house and then she was like, oh, they were very like dependent, like with Brittany and like her, like, you know, with money and everything. And they were like, oh, it's all okay, Jamie Lynn. And I feel like she, I feel like Jamie grew up very privileged because of her sister and everything, maybe. Yeah. Well, and yeah, she got to be I, in Zoe 101. That's how I knew Jamie. Oh, yeah. Which was a hit show. Jamie too. Yeah. No, it was a really good show. 
and um yeah and then in later on in the book um Brittany I mean I don't want to like go back and forth but no like, you can Brittany... yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah you, you can jump out was... of chronology Oh, okay. Because I remember she brought up Zoe 101, Brittany did in her book. And um, during the time she was very pregnant and Jamie Lynn said, oh, like someone was bullying me on the show. And I don't know if you like heard about like, you know, Alexa Nicholas and she talks about like Dan Schneider and stuff like that. And I was listening to that um like a couple like months ago with everything. And then she brought, Brittany brought it up in the book and I was like, oh my God. And, um you know, she apologizes to Alexa because she was like, I got it all wrong. Like Jamie was bullying Alexa. Mm. And she, uh, like Brittany was obviously she's, like pregnant her emotions are everywhere and she's screaming at alexa saying don't bully my sister and alexa was probably like 13 or 14 during this time and she was saying like in a previous interview she was like yeah my idol was like screaming at me and stuff and it was very traumatizing because she had a very bad experience on zoe zoe 101 and with dan schneider but that's like a whole other thing but definitely yeah. oh dan schneider um yeah allegedly but uh, sexually abused so many cast members or was just very predatory in yes, the Nickelodeon space. Yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, and then also in Jeanette McCurdy's book, but obviously we're talking about Brittany's book right now, but obviously yeah. if anyone wants to check that out, they can. But I thought it was very, very interesting when Brittany brought that up in the book and she goes, I just want to say like, I'm very sorry to the actress that I screamed at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and Brittany does take a lot of accountability, I feel, in this book mm -hmm. of um, recognizing her behavior. And yeah, but like Christian, I'm just curious, um, you know, tying it to our current moment. I mean, I know Christian has so many thoughts about how Brittany's life right now is reflecting Hollywood starlets and just the spiraling or, you know, needing to protect someone who's gone through so much trauma. So, you know, what's your theory of what's happening, Christian? Oh, goodness, there's so many theories. It's just, one of my best friends has actually read the book as well. And he said that it was just very sad what he read. Um, he, of course, he didn't know a lot, but he's, he's, a, he's the biggest Britney Spears friend that you can imagine. And when he told me that he's read, that he read the memoir and he was just very, he said that I had to take, he had to take it in spoonfuls because it was, mm. just, it was a lot of information at once. And he just wanted to make sure that he took it all in. And it wasn't like he was reading for like hours, but he took like a couple nights in and he finished the book in like a week or two. And um, it's just what, um, goodness, there's just so many, so many theories that I have, but um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, but like you were saying, there was someone's life that reminded you of Britney Spears. Oh yes, someone there. Um, from old Hollywood, one particular that I find very eerily similar is Judy Garland. Hmm. Um, someone actually a couple of years ago, I found that someone put the song "Lucky" and they they mirrored that with clips from Judy Garland's filmography and it goes amazingly well with what Judy Garland had to endure because Judy actually uh, went through the same things that 
Brittany went through in, in, in a manner of speaking like she was abused a lot by the by her uh film directors and one uh, L, uh Louis B. Mayer in particular he called her her little hunchback um which is a very derogatory statement um and her mother basically used her as a cash cow um the same way that Brittany's father did to her um and Judy would have to be uh, taking uh, pills every like uppers and downers uh, to be present during filming. Um, and Judy would also spiral into dark moments. And it was, I just, there's as well as uh, Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley as well. There's just so many yeah. mirroring between what Brittany went through and what these, what her, what these past successors have had to go through. And it's just, it's just, it's just so disappointing that no matter where we go in life, that it just, it just keeps circling back to people who are in our life that we don't know that can abuse us mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it's just since some of us have dealt with it in our in our in our own lives as well. Um and you know, to have this book out and to, to have people understand what she went through is just, I think it is just so empowering. Mm-hmm. It is. And um, I feel that what's so empowering about like learning from Brittany is that someone who's propelled to stardom, like the way Brittany is in her career, I feel that a Judy Garland, a Marilyn Monroe, um, an Elvis, I mean, even though I know he's not always popular, Michael Jackson, because of um, alleged, you know, predatory behavior, even though the court didn't see it that way, but we're, we don't have to get into that debate. Um, but, you know, Michael Jackson had a lot happening with his family. Uh, so did Whitney Houston. Um yes. And it's a very crash and burn cycle. And like, that's what worries me about Britney is like, I have to be honest. I'm so glad this book is out, but I have so many questions about what's being done to support Britney. Like, yes, a conservatorship. And the the way she discusses the conservatorship. I mean, I think we all wanted to get to that in the book, or at least I did. I'm like, okay, what's she going to say about the (laughs) conservatorship? And like, when she just discusses how she's basically a mannequin, just like, you know, a doll pulled in all these directions and is like, what's my allowance now? And, you know, I'm keeping receipts in a bowl and I try to add up my receipts and am I allowed to like spend that money? And um, I'm just like thrown to a world tour and I didn't want to do a world tour, but I guess I'm okay Mm -hmm. enough to do a world tour mentally, but I'm not mentally able to go out and do my own activities every day. It's um, I do wonder, you know, and I'm sure we're all thinking, what's next? Like, I'm just thinking, what mm-hmm. happens now with Britney Spears? Like, is she in a community of support? Like, is she connected to Paris Hilton? Is she, because that, like, Paris's memoir I read, and, you know, I feel like Paris had her own trauma with. Um, the school she was sent to for troubled youth. Um, 
but how the public image of that celebrity is so wrong and erroneous just because of the way the press is trying to tell a certain narrative. But yeah, I mean, what do you think? I know I'm jumping way ahead, but what do you think is going to, this book is doing for Britney's story? Like, where is she? What's the pathway next for her? I think like now she's getting all this support and she told her story. I hope she can live like a very true life now, now that the conservatorship is over and everything. I just, my, my wish for, like, I just hope for her that she can just live her own life, you know? And I feel like after this book, everyone is very like team Britney and everything. And like the people who did her wrong are now, you know, no one likes. And that that's, we can get into that as well later on. But yeah, I feel like every, she can just live her life as she is and you know she has a lot of support now and yeah that's that's what I gotta say yeah but do you think she's going to start to do like advocacy for mental health for the legal system I hope she does I I don't know as of now but I think this the book was one step and then we we can see like what what else is I think this was like a very good step for her to like speak her truth and just share everything and hoping that she can help people as well but we'll see I think it's a very good step though for her yeah and I feel that she's so um and with good reason uh distrustful of the media so like instead of putting herself in the limelight of the press she's not really doing any I'm sure there's some um, docu-series or interview that she's negotiating right now. I mean, I have to imagine that there's someone that she's going to tell her story to now that the book is out. Um, and hopefully mm-hmm. she's now a producer of her own story for a TV series. Like That's what I would like to see, a docu-series with her, where she like gets to sit in yeah. the chair. And maybe it's not a one-on-one interview traditionally, where she is worried about the questions they ask. Like she actually can just tell her story visually. Yeah, she did mention in the book when um, she was listening to the, like during the time when she was on tour with like sync and everything, she was listening into the convert, like the interviewers talk, asking them questions. And they would ask her like, are you still a virgin? Like, you know, do you have a boyfriend yet? It was very like, you know, like, are your breasts real? And she was talking like about that. And she was like, you know, and it's, it's hard because, you know, obviously like she's a person it's like, you know, and it was so unfair because they would be like sexualizing her at like a young age. And she would, she did mention in the book where when she performed and all there's like the men in the crowd, like older men in the crowd. And it was just, it was just weird. And it would speak from like a, like a woman's perspective, like that's horrible. Like, it's just like, why can't I be treated equally like them? Why is it more based on my looks, my appearance, like what I'm doing, like, you know, sexually, it was just, it was very hard reading that in the book. Mm-hmm. And I know this might not be a popular opinion, but I'm going to say, I think we can all be honest about our thoughts, which is when people criticize her Instagram videos, maybe it is a popular opinion I have, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking like just from a psychological point of view that she might still be operating 
in that sexualized manner of like being on stage. Like when she's doing those videos, it's something she's so comfortable to do, to dance and like through dancing, she's telling an erotic story. I mean, like that's happening in all her music. So like when people criticize her saying she's not sexy or why is she doing this? She's a mother. I find it so odd because weren't you the same fans who loved all of her outrageous erotic performances in the circus tour or like look at her catalog of music. Is it just not okay now because you know that she's gone through mental health struggles? Yeah, like, yeah, it's just it just was crazy that people would always be like, oh, like, why is she doing these videos and stuff? Like you said, Andrew, and it's like, well, didn't we like what used to watch her doing this? Or maybe she feels safe and like doing it in like a like a performance with dancing every and like every way. I don't know, because like I've like I've heard mixed like feelings about this, too, because some people would be like her videos scare me like I don't understand her videos and I'm yeah so I don't know I'm just like it's just I'm maybe it's just a wave like because she like just used to like performing and stuff maybe it's like her like in her like a safe space or something mm -hmm. like that you know she feels comfortable doing it but um yeah like I I don't know like when I watch them I'm just like oh okay she's just doing her thing like get it like you know but yeah. um I don't yeah like I, I don't I don't know I'm and it just is like oh, okay I don't and it is a safe environment because you're in control of your own content on social media that she doesn't have to go through all these handlers. Like, I mean, my worry is that the public is going to demand a tour from her and she's going to mm -hmm. feel pressure to try to like do a world tour on her own. And like, I don't want to see, because that's kind of where Christian, you pointed us to some of these female celebrities, a lot of it was they went full throttle into continuing to perform when they were not mentally strong. And then it just spiraled into um, chaos around them. So like, I'm just hoping, you know, like I said, that Britney has some kind of just system around. Like I was really concerned. I mean, well, so how do you both weigh in on the now X is it an ex? Is it the ex husband or the ex boyfriend, or ex fiance? Husband. husband. Ex <laughs> it's Sam. Husband, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, how do you feel about Sam's role in all of this with the conservatorship? I mean, I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's. Like, cause he's just like, it's cause he's just like, I are, yeah, now he's the ex-husband, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, would he have anything to do with the conservatorship now that, that he's the ex-husband or did he have like some, like at one point he did? Well, yeah, that was the allegation is that the father was working in tandem with Sam, like having Sam report on Britney's condition um, mm -hmm. almost as if Sam was manipulating Brittany to be romantic with him so that he could be the secret agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, that's... and I wouldn't put it past the father. 
Um, yeah. Also, can we just say how confusing it is that her sister's named the has the same name as her father? Yeah, I thought it was very odd because obviously he's not a nice man. So why would you name her like him, like her after the man that was like horrible to you, like an alcohol? I don't, I don't know. I thought that was very odd. I didn't know that at first until I read the book and I was like, isn't that her little sister's name? Because I didn't yeah, know, like yeah. I just knew it was Brittany's dad. But yeah, I thought that was a little odd to me. Yeah. So is there any redeeming qualities for her family? Like, do you think there's any family member that I'm not saying Brittany needs to make amends because I think she needs to process mm-hmm. everything that's happened. But is there any family member who actually we can be sympathetic to or like you understood where they're coming from? Like maybe they were as manipulated as Brittany was. Yeah. Um. I would say maybe her brother because he, because they have like a very close bond. Um, Yeah, because I would just, I I would like, when I thought, when you just brought up that question, I thought like her brother, because, you Mm -hmm. know, they've, they're close in age and everything and they've both been through stuff with like, you know. So I think maybe her brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we need to mention the JT of it all as we're going along, which is not only did Justin Timberlake um, escape the scandal with Nipplegate at the Super Bowl and Janet you Jackson, know, I was gonna, yeah, yeah, and she got all this like opportunities were shut down for her and taken away from her ridiculously yeah. i mean and he it was, was a... he was scot-free like you know and yeah. everyone was like oh we love him and then i'm like well did you see like what he just did he like obviously and everyone was like no janet jackson like that's horrible and yeah it was just really hard like you know when like i just and i feel like now that like now because like now he's like very mia after the whole book came out i think he turned off his comments on um instagram Oh. and yeah he did and then I think he I don't know I think he like left and went to Europe maybe I'm not completely sure but yeah it was just reading the book made me really dislike Justin Timberlake and the thing that made me most upset was when she talked about having an abort like uh, the abortion part and that made me very upset um and during like I think she I forgot because I forgot what happened, but I think he didn't want to go to the doctors because he didn't want anyone to know about it. And she took medication and obviously she was like in pain and she said like she kind of blacked out. And the weird thing I thought, you probably thought, I don't know if you thought it was, you probably thought it was weird too, Andrew, when he got his guitar and started singing to her when this was happening. Yeah, I was like, what the hell I was like so shocked I was like really you're gonna like sing to her like I don't think she wants to hear you sing or anything so that made me go like a little like what and um he was cheating on her and everything with like his like um backup dancers and everything like that and 
Yeah, he was just like not a nice guy. And like ever and he portrayed after he broke up with her on text. But I thought it was interesting because like in like the he they broke him like up in like 2002. So wasn't it those phones where he had to like press the number to like get it like in like yes. a letter? Oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah and i was like oh my god i was like how long did it take for him to like make that like breakup tax (laughs) yeah but do you think that justin is um i did think it was interesting when britney said i was not upset that justin publicly said that he had sex with me i actually was surprised because i'm like well he's airing your you know like for someone who, you know, Brittany is already on edge with the press and being in the public mm-hmm. eye when it comes to sex and her romance, um, that now he's going to say that about her. I thought Brittany's a very forgiving person. And in a lot of parts of the memoir, I thought she was very actually forgiving towards people and had mm-hmm. a good heart instead of holding a grudge. I am here in Port Jefferson, New York, on Long Island, in one of my favorite stores. It is the Soapbox NY, a Bath and Body Boutique. I'm here with one of the co-owners, Janine. Hi, Janine. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Thank you. Good. So I know you have many winter scents to walk us through. So let's yes. get started. This is from company Michelle Design Works, another one of our favorites. Room spray that you can use any room in your house, just kind of freshens up the room a bit. And what is this by Michelle Design Also Works? by Michelle Design Works is Winter Blooms, one of their new scents this holiday season. It's great. It's um, a hand wash. You can use it in your kitchen or your bathroom. And then here is something to follow it up with. Exactly. It's a hand and body lotion. And then what is this beautiful decorative candle here? One of our favorites that we actually sell mm. all year round because it's so popular. This is the scent of Fraser Fur by Times. I think I'm becoming addicted to it. Yes. I think you are because you already own one, I believe. I own one and it is a decorative handle for me because I'm about to open it, but it's just in such I know the packaging a beautiful is, package. I don't know what's better, the packaging or the scents. I'm using it wonderful. as a holiday decoration. So cool. I'll get to the candle eventually, everyone. Well, but it's wonderful because with Times and their Fraser Fur, not only do they carry the candles, but they also make it in the scents in the diffuser, in soap, the hand lotion, the um, the hand soap. It's just a great line and a great scent. So, Janine, how can everyone out there get their hands on your hand and body and even pajama products? Well, we'd be more than happy to see you in our shop. We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson Village. You could always call us to place an order. We're happy to ship to you. Our phone number is 631-509-1424. You can place an order on our website, soapboxny.com. And you could also find us on Instagram or TikTok at the soapboxny. So many options. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for all of you out there to just enjoy what I love so much about the Soapbox NY. So with that, thank you so much. Happy winter, everyone. The holiday season may be behind us, but guess what's lurking around the corner? Picture that little baby with a bow and arrow. Yes, Valentine's Day is almost here. And I'm thinking of what gift can I get that my boyfriend will absolutely love and gush over? Well, he is a horror movie fanatic, so I think I have just the thing that he'll die for.
pun intended. My good friend Mandy Bangle is the owner of Mandy Made It, a craft company where she specializes in crochet and pre-cut handmade gifts. So whether your partner is a horror movie fanatic, I'm sure that they have a TV show they love. Maybe there's a book that they love, a music artist, a sports team that they cheer for. Mandy has you covered from shirts, hats, beanie hats, which I love to wear at the gym, car decals, beer and coffee koozies, keychains, stuffed animals, signs that you want to put all over your apartment. She is ready to create any customized order. So head to Instagram right now, type in at Mandy made it. That's M A N D E E made it slide into her DMS. And she is ready to start working on your order. Just send her a few ideas. You could say, Hey, my boyfriend really loves horror movies or Hey, my boyfriend really loves the Broadway musical wicked. I'm sure she will figure out some concoction for you and say that you heard her ad on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room because she's going to give you an exclusive ITBR free gift. She's also working on a new line of ITBR merchandise. So I can't wait to share all of that information with you. Make sure you mention at Ivory Tower Boiler Room when your gift arrives from Mandy so I can share it out on our Instagram. I hope you all enjoy your gifts. Yeah, that's what I really like and like admire about Brittany. She doesn't hold any grudges. Um, yeah, I thought that was very shocking too when um he talked about like having sex. I think it was on a radio show. He um he said something and she was like, Oh, like that didn't bother me. And I was like, if that was me, I would be like, excuse you. But yeah, and it was really hard during that time, like all the things that he did to her. And then he, when they broke up, he made, um, he created his album Justified. That was like his first like album. And he was like, you, you know, Cry Me a River and all those songs. And he was oh, portraying yeah. Britney like she cheated. And I really admired like Britney because she didn't say anything negative about him or anything in the press, you know, because I think she still like loved him and stuff or still like you know obviously still cares about him and I really respected her because a lot of people would have been like you know like oh well then I'll talk bad about you but she didn't go that like low or anything and I really respected Brittany like doing that and it was really hard because um after the whole thing with Justin's like video crime and riffer and everything like she said that she went in the store and then people were booing her and everything saying that she was a cheater and all this stuff. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So this is a very philosophical question, which is, do you think that someone should ever be put under this type of stardom? Like, do you think that that's the whole issue here is we should never propel, put someone in the limelight like this, that no one can psychologically process it. And like people are going to take advantage of them. Yeah, I think so, because it's really hard when there's so much stardom, everyone's like 
looking at you and like waiting for you to fail. And it's why sometimes I feel like people like stars, for example, have like kind of breakdowns because everyone's just focused on them. They're like, Oh, you can't mess up. You can't do this. And it's really like, it's really hard. And it's also, it's like, you know, these are like, sometimes people forget like the people who are in like the public eye, like they're people too. And they have the same feelings as us. And it's really hard, you know, and I think it's not fair to put all that like stardom on them because again, they are a person. Yeah. Well, and I really love mm-hmm. when Brittany quotes the poet Rumi and she says, the wound is the place where the light enters you. I thought that was a really profound moment. Um, and I have to like reflect now. I remember always questioning why Britney really never did interviews. I'm not sure if either of you ever thought about that, but like Britney is someone who really never was on TV. Um, yeah, I think in the, yeah, in the book, she did mention that she had very bad like social anxiety. Like she would leave like parties early and stuff. So I think that was like an issue, that reason why she didn't really do that many interviews. Um, I think in the book, um they they um her dad forced her to do the diane sawyer interview i believe i read that i read that in the, yeah that was in the book i'm sorry i'm still like i'm trying to rem- i'm trying to remember some of the books that I, I just finished it up like a, a while ago and um and i yeah he for he was like you're doing he walked into her apartment with like four other men and they were like oh you're doing this interview and you can tell like Diane Sawyer was like portraying her as like a bad like person and like Brittany like you said who doesn't really like like seems like she doesn't really do interviews because of her anxiety and stuff and it's just like you're a bad person you're doing this you're horrible why would you do this to Justin hence why she broke down in that interview so I you know I was like you know it's it's was obviously looking back now reading the stuff I, I re-watched the Diane Sawyer interview and I was I felt so bad for her because she was just like hearing every day that she was a horrible person she cheated on Justin and all the all this stuff and then Justin is pictured as like this golden boy and everyone goes oh we're so poor Justin you know Brittany cheated on him and he's such a great guy meanwhile he was doing all this horrible stuff with her to her you know and it, it just it wasn't fair to for Brittany and I, I that really like upset me yeah yeah so do we think that this moves the conversation in terms of um understanding the um mystery that is Brittany like I was even thinking you know how many times people have said Brittany's lip sing lip singing um and doesn't really have a voice, even though we know that she has such a talented voice, like, which is what gets people in the door for music record deals. Like you do have to sing to be able to get a record Mm -hmm. deal in this kind of capacity to do world tours. But, you know, how, how does she explain or even think about um, her performing? Right? Like, it seems very complicated. I know, um, you know, Chris, like you saw the Hulu documentary. So I'm just curious, like, how do they, the people around her who actually were there for her tours, describe her as a performer? One of her music directors um, said that he's never met a more hardworking perfectionist. 
when 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 she was doing the music video for um, I Love Rock and Roll, um, he mentioned that she wanted to get down and dirty. She wanted to uh, put away that good girl facade and she wanted to let the world know that she's not a kid anymore. And when her manager saw that she was, uh, you know, uh, crawling on the floor and, and getting all up and dirty with that uh, grease, he literally ran up to the camera and he said, that's it, we're done. This is the end of the shoot. And she was just very taken aback. She wasn't, but her her directors have not have seen her put in such hard work and they've never seen a, a more homespun, very down-to-earth person. Once you talk to her, when, when you initially meet, when they initially met Britney for the first time, they, they were so taken aback by how, how calm she was throughout all this press that she's been given and all this stress that she has. And the fact that she can just be so down to earth because they were so taken aback by how relaxed she was at talking to them. Mm. Yeah. And then like, Brooke, I know you had a hot take on her VMA performance. Like, is there a difference Ooh. between, right, the performances that she, um, like, I just remember how much she loved uh, Give Me More or um, Toxic, like, her early singles mm -hmm. and music videos. She took so much pride in, but then eventually she said she lost the, pat like, after... Kevin Federline and her children are mm -hmm. taken away that she just lost the passion for music. And like when she's being forced to do the circus tour, that that was such a low for her. Yeah. Yeah. I remember she was, I think she said in the book that she didn't want to do the VMA performance, but I believe her father, someone wanted her to do it kind of like as a comeback. And I don't think she was ready. She was still deal dealing with stuff with like Kevin Federline, I believe. And, you know, um, I believe I in the book she said it was backstage that she bumped into Justin Timberlake and that was really hard because she hasn't seen him in a while and all these emotions are probably coming back for her and it was really hard because I remember watching it like when it was for I was I had to be maybe like 10 or 11 I I stayed up late that night my, I didn't tell my parents because <laughs> it was on a school night but um, <laughs> I remember watching Justin Timberlake do a performance and everyone was all like so excited and stuff and everything and I think Britney probably saw that and she was like oh I want to do a good job as him but like all these emotions are coming out and it really broke my heart because she tried and everyone was like, oh my God, this performance was horrible. She was so out of it. They talked about like her weight gain, but obviously I thought her, she looked amazing when I saw her and every, everyone was like, even at the VMAs, I think Sarah Silverman was hosting and she was making mm -hmm. a joke about her and her children and Justin Timberlake had this amazing night. Everyone was saying he did such a good job and everyone was like so hard on Britney. And I just, I didn't think that was fair for her, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. And it, it's that power of fame. Like once you start to rise, you know, once you go up, they want to take you down. Like, you know, mm -hmm. people who, um, 
like will try to critique her voice, but also, you know, how much of an industry, um, the pressure of her trying to fit this image, like even if it didn't match her vocal range, they um, mm -hmm. really were forcing a type of um, like the bubblegum pop, uh, the very, what do they call it? Um, just the type of tone her voice took that it was really high all the time, um, messing her vocal cords up. Like she's an alto and they like try to put her into this pop soprano. I don't even just distorted type of voice eventually. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel for Britney in that because, you know, I think her passion shows through her dancing in those um, yeah. pop numbers because she's such the consummate, like Christian, you said, um, a true master of dance and it had control over that realm and didn't really have control over her voice. Where like, you know, her true singing voice was when she was a child and in Star Search and like you can hear like the lowness the low range of her voice that she really didn't get to display that much. So again, I'm not saying Britney needs to do another album, but I think she could like now she could actually create the music that represents her. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like she does a single or something on her own. Again, it has to be on her own terms. Um, but yeah, so we're nearing, this was so quick. Uh, but we're nearing, you know, the end <laughs> of our conversation. So I don't know. I have just one question, I think, for each of us, which is, you know, what from the book or what from Brittany's like story right now um, are you really reflecting on? Like, what's something that this conversation has just completely made you see her situation from anew? Something that really shocked you and you had to take pause about, oh, wow, this really happened to Brittany. This is something she went through. You know, I'll start with Brooke. I think, yeah, I think for me is when she talked about the abortion, mm -hmm. when she went into detail about that. And I think for me, I was reflecting and I was like, wow, she was dealing with a lot. And then after the abortion, Justin broke up with her and she's obviously dealing with all these emotions and everyone painted her as a villain. And that made me like my, that broke my heart because obviously this woman is going through a breakup in the public and inter she, no one knows this, but she just went through an abortion and the person that like she was madly in love with, like just left and was all like, like as I said before like the golden boy and everyone lo like loved him and she was just going through so much I just that really that I think the part when she talked about her abortion really I I, I speaking talking about it now makes me emotional but that really made me upset and then I think I like some some like videos I rewatched again like I watched I rewatched Lucky and then I was like oh my god and even every time because everyone was talking about like oh you know it's about Justin but it could have been about her unborn child we we don't know but 
that's what they were saying. But then I was like, we like listening to it again, you know, I was like, oh my God. And I think, you know, it just, you know, when like, even like when I was younger, I would be like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, she's crazy. And then you realize like, she's going through all this stuff and no one really like seemed to care or like notice they, she was just the butt of the joke during that time. So that's what I was mostly reflecting on just, you know, what she went through and, you know, I really internalized it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then how about you, Christian? It was when I realized what um, her shaving her head meant to the world. Um, at first, when I was younger, I thought, it was, oh, yeah, she's crazy. She's insane. And then when I read a little excerpt from that specific point of her life in the book. I believe she said, you want me to be the good girl? F you. You want me to be, you want me to be the pretty girl? F you. Be perfect all the time? F you. I'm like, that made me look at that scene, those pictures in a whole different light. Mm -hmm. And it made me understand that she wasn't crazy. She was just, this was her way of rebelling against the people that have manipulated her and have I didn't even understand how tight this conservatorship was and I'm sure at that point of her life she just wanted an out she wanted people to hear her and no matter what she wanted to make sure that she was heard and I'm just grateful that she was able even though it is a ghostwriter um that's written this book it's just so mesmerizing how how we can we can just appreciate how far she's come and we can just be happy with the fact that she's able to live her life and not have to worry about anyone taking over her life exactly exactly um and I also think that like through Britney's story, like we're really learning a lot about listening to people's traumas, really um, holding space that the way a narrative is told is not the full story. Like the way that we people thought that she was just having a breakdown, which she was, but not in the way that the press made it out to be this aggressive like breakdown of her attacking paparazzi, but it was really because her children were taking away that she decided to give them a show, she said, and shave her head and just like how you don't realize that for her, she was trying to take control back the way she could, which was in the public eye. But, you know, the public, in my opinion, they sometimes put so much weight in these little snippets they see of a celebrity's life, even though it's never going to tell the accurate story all the time. And, you know, how would you feel if you keep getting followed and you can't move your car? I mean, you're probably not going to take it sitting down. So, you know, there's a lot of forgiveness, I feel, here and understanding um, pain is really what it you know, I took away. And I'm, I hope that, um, you know, Brittany's next phase um, is just 
more authentic, which I think it already is because of this book. And I was going to say, Christian, so many memoirs are ghostwritten. So like, this is not a rarity. Like a majority of high profile people have ghostwriters. Like, you know, ghostwriters are awesome because their whole point is to represent the authenticity of the voice of um, the author. And I think, you know, this ghostwriter really hit that stride with Britney. So yeah, I'm hoping Britney um, finds the community that she needs to be a part of. And I know we're all in support of that and, you know, hoping that anything with mental health is addressed and is just, um, everyone doesn't judge now Britney um, and, you know, try to put her down. And I just think our culture has such an odd, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, so I won't go into it, but just that they have such an odd uh, fixation on sexualization, even though it's what, you know, they just don't feel empowered when it comes to sexual conversations, but yet they like really want that material in the public eye. So like Brooke said, it makes you so uncomfortable about the men leering at Britney when she's so young in these concerts, but yet, mm -hmm. um, when it doesn't fit their idea of what sexy is, the men, then they put Britney down. So it's like, you have to really walk this tightrope of, you can only be sexy, but in like the ways that we've deemed are appropriate for you. But you're not going to have a say in how liberated you feel with your sexuality and your body. Like you're not able to actually own your body um, or the right like choice that you do but we're going to force like outfits on you. It's a very topsy-turvy yeah. way of thinking about sexuality. Um, you know, and her father's there the whole time as um, the public is judging her about her outfits. Like the father has every say and par in what's happening in these tours. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, that like no one in the family ever thought, you know, especially her parents, I like put the blame more on them, not um yeah. the siblings, but that they never like supported their daughter through all this ridicule is just heinous. Um, but well, thank you, Brooke. I loved you know just having you on the podcast and all your thoughts and Christian. And we're now going to hear just a few thoughts from our book club members. So you know, here are some who joined the book club, and let's see what they have to say. Imagine that you're riding the Turner Classic movie, Great Movie Ride, in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the Great Movie Ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I 
was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly, the list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Okay, so we just finished a really wonderful Britney Spears Woman in Me discussion. So thanks to the book club attendees, Mary, Eric, Rebecca, Catherine, my mom, and David, my father. Um, so I asked everyone out of one to five, how would you rate the book or the audiobook? Um, so I'm gonna have Rebecca if you wanna go first. And maybe like why you gave it that ranking too well i would give it a five only because finally after so long we are finally able to hear in britney's words what she went through and the, and the truth behind everything yeah yeah um eric what would you rank the book well if i'm ranking the book itself I would say a four out of five. Um, I would say also, to be fair, the performance for Michelle Williams, who will most likely win a Grammy for, for this <laughs> performance. She was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I, it answered a lot of my questions and it was very introspective as a, as a Britney fan, as you can see, I'm a huge Britney fan. Um, 
And yeah, those are her, some of her albums. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely made me really think about, especially I was even talking to my friend who I actually did see the Vegas residency with. And he's like, it actually made me think about all the shows that I saw of hers and knowing how she really felt behind the scenes. And it makes me kind of feel bad to be a Britney fan because maybe I was supporting the bad things happening to her. Um, so yeah, it makes you think about a lot of things and it, it does answer a lot of questions. I do have a whole lot more. I do hope the rumors are true that she's going to do a sequel to this because I, I'm sure there, there's so many more things that she can answer. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I loved it. It was good. It's definitely a four out of five. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, my parents, each of you separately. You don't have to be a joint unit. Uh, Mom, what I'll would you first. Um, I would rate it four out of five. Um, and the reason being, I just wish that the way it ended, that the book, uh, the book's ending was her plan of action or what's the future look like for her so I kind of left hanging and hoping for Brittany is how I feel so you need so, a sequel pardon me you need the sequel of her plan of action yes mm -hmm. yes yeah. I'm hoping she has a plan of action of who she can get help from and what she could do. Dad? Uh, I only listened to the audiobook. I thought um, with the prologue by Brittany and then the rest of the book uh, narrated by Michelle Williams at some points, I thought Michelle was Brittany. I mean, she really did a fantastic job uh, describing the various events of her life and all the different um, moments that she uh, endured and i hope there is a sequel and i hope there's going to be some type of justice for some of these people that they're not going to like uh our family and some other people uh quote professionals unquote that were out there i'd like to really see something done about that mary i also listened to the audiobook um um, so with, like, I just loved Michelle's performance and my only grievance was that I just wanted to hear more about certain stories and certain, um, details, like of the conservatorship and things like that, that, you know, hopefully if there is a sequel, she will be elaborating on. Um, overall though, I felt like it was very, you could feel that it was very personal to her and I really appreciated, like, the little history of her lineage so you could kind of see how her upbringing was like but not only just hers but of those in her family and how that translated into hers um but yeah I mean it just I just thought it was incredible I also found myself like Michelle Williams was just so amazing I actually found myself in my regular everyday life having like my inner voice just be Michelle Williams so I would be thinking about something at work and be like this is ridiculous and I'm just hearing Michelle Williams voice in my head no big deal yeah but. she's such a good like inner voice narrator <laughs> mm -hmm. for your psyche um yeah no and I would say I rank Michelle Williams five out of five for her bringing Britney to life of understanding Britney's psychology um and then I would say I'd give it a four out of five um 
just because it felt like it was a diary entry type memoir format where like sometimes I just wish things got tied together. Um, and this is why Rebecca, I think we need to do Paris Hill and I love your idea of having yeah. Paris's book for the summer. Cause I thought Paris's book was formatted differently um, in more of the chronology, but I do like that Brittany is more of a stream of consciousness, like just writing how she approaches her everyday, um, her memories of the past. So right. it was just a different format that I'm not used to, but I liked it. I felt it worked for Brittany's story. Um, yeah, and then Mary, do you want to tell everyone, you know, listening to getting a glimpse <laughs> into our book club meeting, what next month, the last Sunday of next month, February, um, oh, actually, no, it might not be the last Sunday because that's our Real Housewives, Bravo reality TV mm -hmm. trivia night. Not just the Housewives, but also the Traders and Vanderpump Rules um, at Burrito and Port Jefferson. So there's a plug for that at 4 p.m. Um, flyers to come. But what is our next book club meeting? So um, then, yeah, so the next book club meeting choice is going to be Troublemaker, Surviving Hollywood and Scientology by the Queen of Kings, Leah Remini. Yeah, yeah. And TikTok is going, I'm not sure if any of you have seen it, but like there's so many Scientology like exposing going on with all these TikTokers outside of like the Hollywood Scientology Center. So um can't wait to join everyone again for Leah Remini's book. And, you know, all of you out there, you can join the book club, uh, patreon.com, uh, ivory, um, forward slash ivory tower boy of the room, uh, $4 a month to join the book club. You know, you can join every month, like keep your membership going or join for one month, depending on what the book is. And yeah, can't wait to see you all. I think it's going to be February, um, Maybe it will. No, it couldn't be the same day as the trivia night. So we'll talk about it, Mary. And we'll talk to everyone here about what their best days are. And we'll figure it out. Okay, thanks, everyone listening. And can't wait to have more people in the book club. So thank you all for listening to the book club members analyses and special moments. Uh, so to join the book club again, everyone go to patreon.com backslash ivory tower boiler room for January, which when this comes out, you'll all know what the January book is. So look on our social media to see. I'm sure it's a very exciting book, but I don't know it yet as I'm recording. Uh, so, Brooke, how can everyone follow you on social media? So if you guys want to follow me on social media, I'm a photographer based on Long Island. And my social media links for Instagram, it's Brooke Walsh Photography. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Brooke Jude Walsh. And I think that's it. And if you want to follow me on my personal, it's just Brooke Walsh. Yep. And then Christian, how can everyone follow your accounts? Well, so far I have two. I host a podcast called the That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Um, I have a personal Instagram as well. I have my work Instagram for that podcast, which is at That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Instagram. And then if you want to follow my personal account, it's bookaholic underscore 221 on Instagram. Um, Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, can't wait for you two to be back in the ivory tower boiler room. I'm sure maybe one of our book club choices will speak to your hearts. Um, so everyone, um, 
reach out to me about your thoughts with the Britney Spears memoir, you know, shout us out. We'd love for you to share this episode everywhere. And yeah, until next time. Bye.